We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. I'm recording this about half an hour after the match. I've actually taken myself to the park with my kids to distract myself from them. From Arsenal nil West Ham 2 at the Emirates. First game of the season. Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it, really, to get your head around. Yeah, we didn't expect this at all. We've been mostly in a very positive mood ahead of the new season. Then we won back-to-back FA Cups. We've got Peter Cech in goal. Everyone was um, speaking about the focus of the squad before the season started, and it, you know, it all looked very promising until kickoff. Yeah, in today's show, James Elliott and Paul will discuss the um, performance at the Emirates uh, on Sunday. And um, I don't really know what to say, to be honest. It was just pretty bad from start to finish. We lost the basics in our game. We couldn't keep the ball very well. A lot of stray passes. And didn't have much going forward. Wenger's been saying recently that there's goals in the team. And yes, there is goals in the team. No doubt about that. But um, we looked really short of any creativity, any flair or anything in the final third. And West Ham dealt with us pretty easily. Got to say, much credit has to go to West Ham. Um, I thought that was the best West Ham performance at the Emirates ever. Yeah, they deserve plenty of credit for that. So, yeah, nothing more to say. For, for me, I'm going to hand over to the guys and I'm going to continue to, to sit here and feel a bit speechless. So, enjoy the podcast. Chelsea goalkeeping howlers far less enjoyable when the Chelsea goalkeeper plays for Arsenal. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. 
We're going to be breaking down, dissecting, and generally enjoying the calamity that was Arsenal 0, West Ham 2. Here with my two friends and podcast regulars, uh, they are James and Paul. First, James, you can find him on Twitter at GoonerFanatic49. Hey, James. Hey, guys. Hey. I hear you're doing hey. really well, just really upbeat, feeling fantastic. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, I'm having a great time over here. Good. Really loving it, yeah. Good. Great day out at the Emirates. Great to hear it. Well, that's what we want. Sun's it's just a great day out. Hey, football's back. Yeah. Yeah. Season started. Woohoo! It's always great when it comes back and reminds you just how much it, it enhances your overall experience and well-being. Um, Paul is here as well. You can follow Paul. I hope you will on Twitter at Posnin in My Pants. Hello, Paul. Hello. We've a self-help group that meets on a Tuesday evening for fellow sufferers. So I just wanted to get that word out there. You know, I was thinking we've been doing this pod a while now, but really, I don't think we were doing it much during our calamitous start to last season. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and so we haven't had a lot of chances to really discuss Arsenal, arsenaling the crap out of a game because of how strongly we finished last season. I think the only chance we had was maybe Monaco. So this really lets us... Uh, get the engine running. I mean, we're going to hit the ground running because I'm really, really upset. Um, and so I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to throw my toys completely out of the pram. But before I do that, let me just start by asking you this. And James, I'll start with you. Putting aside the performance for a minute, putting aside individual performances and, and all of that, how damaging is this loss for our season? What does this mean in terms of momentum, in terms of the title race? Draw conclusions on the entire 2015-16 season based on this game. <laughs> Uh, it's it's obviously a concern I mean I don't think there was a single fan that was expecting anything like that um, before the ball was kicked Um, I mean the performance as a whole was from back to front an absolute atrocity there's no denying that Um, I don't know I think it's listen in the grand scheme of things the the room for error that you're allowed over the course of a season um, I mean, look to Man City 13-14. They had a pretty, you know, unbelievable defeat away to Cardiff, who'd just been promoted 3-2, and a few weeks later lost a similar scoreline against Villa. I mean, I know this is home to West Ham side, but like, it, over a 38-game period, you you are you you can afford a defeat like this. It's, can you? Um, do, I, I do, think you, do champions I think, lose at home to bottom half sides? I mean, do, do they like lose in, at home? In, in general, no, but it doesn't. Listen, in a vacuum, you can like this loss. You can still have this loss and make various assumptions over the fact, like in in a somewhat hopeful manner. And I think you know, in, in the idea that you know that ne- yesterday's defeat didn't necessarily represent some sort of like fundamental issue um at the club which you know i think you can make arguments for i mean i'm sure you can also make arguments against it too um but what it means is your room for error is restricted quite significantly um we're gonna have we talked a lot about and players i think Giroud before the game in an interview was um, talked about how they want to emulate the, the beginning of the thirteen fourteen season and the second half of last season. Well, I guess <laughs> in some ways, if you want to emulate the thirteen fourteen season, you lose by two goals at home to a uh, side in claret and blue. And uh, so we've started off perfectly in that regard. 
uh, we just got to go on an eleven win, eleven game winning streak now, and then uh, and then start matching last season's second half. But, uh, but look, it, it, obviously, it's highly damaging. Um, I think it does anyway. it invalidate all the good work from preseason because arguably, look, preseason means absolutely nothing unless a good preseason gets you off to a fast start in the season. So, would you say that? Losing on the opening day at home to a team that probably will finish in the bottom half totally invalidates the preseason, or, or is there still reason that some of that quality should should cause us to retain retain some optimism? Um, I mean, how I mean, important, a, how relevant is preseason is, really in, not, in the light of this? Well, preseason in itself isn't really that relevant because not only are you. You know, not only you're playing in like in games in which pressure is is diminished significantly, but you're also playing against teams that are at various differing levels of like um, match practice and fitness, et cetera, et cetera. And like it's very dependent on the way in which other teams are also approaching the game. And um, but I I don't think it's completely invalidated because we still came away with a, a victory. You know, we we still have broken that hoodoo against Chelsea. So I think um, assuming you would go into a Chelsea match in the future, have it off the back of you know a decent run. Um, you can still look to that Community Shield game, and I'm, that that in itself will give the play, still give the players confidence that they have the ability to do one over Chelsea. So the entire preseason isn't entirely validated, but I don't think looking at the preseason like tends to be of that much. You know, it's, obviously we'd rather win than lose, but there've been plenty of. Ferguson teams over the years that have lost large majorities of the preseason, then and gone on to have great seasons. Um, it's more looking, you know, you want to look back to the end of the season last year, and I think that's where most of our confidence was coming from. Really, I mean, and that's where it still somewhat comes from me. I still, I still think we're going to have a very good season. Um, I'm a, l- a little less <laughs> confident in that opinion than I was before the start of yesterday. There's no doubt about that. But the fundamentals of the team, the makeup of the squad is no different. Um, look, we'll go into the specifics of the game, but I mean, the team, like, we were, like, everyone was shot. I mean, within the first 30 minutes of the game, you first had, there was, uh, there were four times that we lost the ball, which were just completely un- unexplained. There was the, there was like some Ramsey part, like simple pass out to Monreal, um, fairly high up the pitch that just literally played it behind him. There's a, a, t- a time when Giroud picked up the ball around the halfway line and he tried to like, like he flipped flick it right it. out of bounds. He, like, it was, it was he, he tried really to flick it like backwards, <laughs> and it was like meant to like curl back into the pitch, and it literally curled outwards, like it went straight out. There was a Coquelin pass, and we I think we talked a lot about how much his passing has improved, and you know, obviously Paul and I definitely are of the opinion that his passing is like, like somewhat underrated, certainly relative to how you perceive it. But I mean. There was a, a a raking pass he played about thirty yards or whatever across long, the pitch. And his it, it long went, balls were totally went to no one. Mon, like, there was a Montreal all within the space of thirty minutes. James, let's, let's was, do this because I, I want to get to the game specific and I want to get to specific sure. players and specific performances. But I did want to just sort of start with with a general overview on how you're taking the loss, and I, I think you're taking it very poorly, like all of us. But I, I you know, it, it is hard. Chelsea lost three games last season. I don't think there's been a title winner in years who lost more than six that leaves you you know four or five losses if you want to be in the title race and realistically a loss like this means you have to now turn some draws into wins or a loss into a win somewhere that you might not otherwise have I mean 
if you win this game and you win the games you're supposed to, you can draw away at Stoke and be okay or you know, lose at Chelsea and still win the title. But when you lose games like this, you have to convert those into points now. Um, Paul, two quick questions for you. Same question. You know, how damaging do you see this loss? By the way, one just quick thing about about preseason. It's interesting. I think it's in the NFL. Um, I, I believe it's still a statistic that no team has ever won the Super Bowl after going undefeated in preseason. And the preseason is pretty much just dismissed as being in any way relevant in the NFL. I think what happens in football is we are so desperate to see our team after after you know the months and weeks without football that we want to draw conclusions. We want to get hopes up. And so we read a lot into preseason. And this is two preseasons running now where we've looked pretty good. We won the Community Shield and started abysmally. Um, so, Paul, how damaging is this? And instead of just forget player performances, what do you attribute the poor performance generally to? So uh, I'm greatly afeared I'm going to seem out of step with you guys, even James, and the grand populace uh, that I've seen on Twitter. I mean, uh, my starting point, if you take me five, ten minutes after the match or an hour or two hours after the match, very much the same place. But as I stewed in it, I've kind of mellowed a bit. I don't think, I mean, it could be a real, really bad sign and it could be really detrimental, um, but it doesn't have to be. So it depends on how they respond. I think there can still be a lot of value in having a good preseason. It just doesn't mean what we all wanted it to mean. Um, so it really does depend on how they turn things around. A couple of other quick thoughts. This league might be won this year by the team, not who doesn't lose the most, who loses the least game, but the team who wins the most games. Yeah, that I, I buy that. And one other factor, West Ham had 100 million uh, of TV money to spend over the summer. Uh, they got themselves Payette and a few other plays, players. Now, no reason we shouldn't have stuffed them. That's not my point. But I suspect ourselves and Chelsea and other top teams are going to get more trouble, especially when we get into the stickier part of the season, which we haven't seen yet from these teams and, and trip over more often than maybe we've seen last year. And so, so you, you uh, just expect there to be more parity because of the money in the premier league and the spending and the quality that's come into teams that used to be a huge distance behind the top sides. Yeah, they're going to be more troublesome and um, maybe more ambitious in terms of what they do. But but and... I mean, does is that borne out? I mean, you have a couple new players trying to fit into the West Ham side. You have a 16 year old midfield. You have Nolan in midfield. I mean, I think they you'd played agree there's a huge golfing class. They played six Europa League games. Now Europa League is standard is all over the place, but still, that's 90 minutes with your team. We were swapping players at 45 minutes, trying different combinations. Uh, you know, players playing all over the place. It's not the same. So um, they came in. Here's my real thesis. If you take the Aston Villa game for the FA Cup semifinal, sorry, the FA Cup final and this game up until the goal, which was scored about the same time, the games were about the same. Their game plan was about the same. Their strategy uh, of having a fairly open game, but hoping to hit us, uh, on the counter or with crosses or offset pieces, our possession, our 
our chances in front of goal without, while still being a bit toothless, all the same through till about 40 minutes, 42 minutes, something like that. They scored their second goal when we scored our second goal in the FA Cup final um, and knocked the stuffing out of us. Now, there's a, it, it was a game of three thirds between the first, before the first goal to the second goal, etc. So we'll get into more of that. But our performance was not absolutely rubbish. And when we get into the player stuff, um, I hope I get my teeth into the Cockland discussion. You can get your our, teeth into the cock, but I, I, from what I've heard, it's best that you not do that. Well, maybe I'll nibble a little bit. Well, so, okay. Uh, so our performance, you know, we came in against a team that had six official 90-minute games against varying quality, um, were tested and blooded a little. Uh, against a team that had basically been in preseason. You know, the Chelsea game, their excuse was they were a little off their intensity because they were a little behind us in in their preseason prep. And I think there's some merit to that. This was the first... We ran into a team with a buzzsaw and a manager who was announcing himself to the Premier League and knows if he doesn't get start getting results in the first quarter of the season, he's gone. And those guys had a level of intensity. Now, there's not... If our intensity had been just a little higher, if our cohesion in the face, it's really, really wasn't about our intensity because I think there was enough there. I thought I we think were incredibly our, intense. I, our quality wasn't there. That's, yeah. that's why I disagree to some extent about. So, you know, so uh, let, I may, I'm, you're right. And I made the wrong point. My point was we hadn't faced a team of that intensity. We, our, in, our intensity is one thing. Their intensity, we hadn't faced that since the first stages of the FA Cup final. And even then, our, you know, you could see we just had that bit more in terms of how we showed up for that game. In this one, you know, that's what, that was the difference to get into that first goal and a cock-up. So uh, that, that's, that's kind of my layout. That's okay. how I saw that match. I don't, I don't agree. I, I respect I that viewpoint. I think there's a few problems with this. And I'll jump to the end, and then we'll get back to the game. After the game, the manager said we were nervous um, and that, that it wasn't that we weren't up for it, um, but that we were nervous. And it's interesting. I got that sense, too. There was a lot of intensity. That first 40 minutes or so, we were running around like chicken with our heads cut off. There was no calmness. There was no composure. There was no real quality, but there was just a lot of energy. There was a lot of frantic play and the game was really very choppy and didn't have a, a strong pattern to it as a result. Um, to me, the concern I have is, look, Paul, I'd, I'd agree with you to some extent about preparation and maybe them being a little ahead of us preparation-wise, but we saw a lot of quality, a lot of precision, a lot of pair, Murtisacker's favorite automatisms and interchanges and team understanding and chemistry throughout preseason, so we know they can do it. Let me, let me ask you this, James. The manager said we were nervous, is that a direct uh, direct confirmation that this team can't handle pressure? I mean, the first game we go into with real expectation of a genuine title challenge this season, and they don't just lose. They put together an abysmal performance and get drubbed at home by a team they should beat. Are you? Does it bother you that the manager said we were nervous in terms of what that means for our mentality as, as a team that should be challenging for a title? I mean, it bothers me 
Because Man. the mental side of it should be, that's the issue, right? The talent is there. What we don't know is if this team has the, has the mentality, the mindset to challenge for a title over 38 games. And one game in with expectations on them, and the answer seems to be a resounding no. And the manager even acknowledged that there was nervousness. So is that a really, really bad sign? Because the quality is certainly there, but maybe the mentality isn't. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it bothers me because we shouldn't be going into a game like that in the start of the season with that type of mentality because I couldn't agree. The, 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 the fault in our performance and the ultimate result was how we mentally approach the game. Now, I don't... I, I I trust that you know in Arsenal's opinion on the fact that perhaps it was it was a nervousness perhaps the players haven't felt during you know Premier League games and the in the, at the start of a season quite the level of hope and expectation um, like this for quite some time and certainly not this group of players um, or whether it was overconfidence or whether it was you know this this kind of sense of following the easy results they've had in preseason, certainly prior to the community shield that they just, they, they almost took it a little too much like a preseason game. And um, they just, they hadn't quite in, envisaged the type of intensity that West Ham were able to, were going to bring to the field. I, I, I don't know exactly. It's difficult for us to play pop psychologist, but yes, if we assume Arsenal was right, that we were, we came in nervous. I think it is, Unacceptable. I don't, but I don't think it's necessarily indicative of how we're about to play over the next thirty-seven games. I mean, look, of course, in this no, moment of course in time, not. following because that at defeat, some point, it's, it's... we won't be title challengers anymore, and then I'm sure they'll play just fine. That's my point, <laughs> okay. right? I mean, no, no, can no, they well, not well, handle the pressure? Think about I... it this way for a second: we kind of clawed our way back into the title challenge last season, and only when it looked like there was a glimpse that we might actually be back in it did we then not deliver. Right, so I mean, is that the issue? Is it that they can't? I mean, we had a chance to progress in the Champions League last year and shit the bed at home to Monaco. I mean, in the semifinal yeah, but, of the FA Cup, but we've also it's the same team that's won two FA Cups in a knockout like competition where there's high levels of pressure at Wembley I, in the semifinal. I totally semifinals. acknowledge that, so it's so, it's hard to it's hard to so reconcile it, that, but, but it, it does like, we seem can't, that we way. can't just draw. Listen, we can't just draw hard conclusions on that fact, right? Based on certainly based on this game or or like hand picking certain games because I think there are. There are plenty of games that we can choose that display that the team has it in them to display the right type of mentality. Why um, were they nervous? Playing, they're playing. I, well, I, <laughs> I that, think that, we're reading too much into question. the term nervous. Well, I but, mean, but it, can, it can, mean, okay, it can mean nervy, it can mean tentative. There's a quote, but it doesn't mean that he means what you mean, which is in, a, in an important game, these guys can't show up. I don't think that's really what he was trying to say. No, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Paul. I, but uh, in fact, I think tentative is, exa- is is a perfect word because listen, I, even even when we were playing poorly last season, right? I mean, I think we can all you know, we've all seems to have come to the conclusion prior to the start of this game that this team, this squad, is as good as it's been for a long, long time. And I just I can't get over that thirty minute period of seeing those four misplaced passes. You guys know I'm I'm very optimistic about this team. I ve- I very much like this squad. Of course, there, is, there, there are, if the right player comes available, as Arsene talks about, there, it, there is ways in which the team can be improved. But even that aside, I mean, as you know, I, I do feel very good about this one. But within that 30 minutes, I'm, I understand, Paul, what you were saying about, like, there, there kind of were similarities with Aston Villa. And even as badly as we were playing, we were, still create, we were still the ones creating the chance. We were still the one with the ball most of the time. But to see those missed passes, I, I just, I, 
I, I, I really, I really couldn't, I couldn't put a finger on it because we can look at every single player, and there were moments in that game. You can look towards Alex, who you know a lot of people say was the bright spark, which he, you know he was. He, he, he created, he created several chances, and he, he did look so. dangerous. But in, but at the same time, like, that, that touch in the box is just totally inexcusable. I mean, and we've we've talked about it as being part of. Like you could go to every single player. You look at someone like Czech. You know, I mean, it's just. I, I, I've no, I can't, I can't totally understand oh, all right. Let, let's how everyone played it, in that then. way. But I also think, in some ways, in some ways, perhaps it may be a good thing because in my art, in my mind, and I could be completely wrong. I just, I genuinely cannot see, especially given the quality we have, off the back of these two FA Cups, and you know, given the kick that this is surely going to give us, I just cannot see us playing like that again this season. And. I mean, you maybe guys are I overblowing this, even you, James. Had we scored first, and we could have, we would see that first 40 minutes entirely differently. We did not deserve to win that game. We did not well, outplay them at any listen, stage. I'll tell you, I'll even tell you in the first we, 40 we, minutes, our if, passing if, was we poor. We deserved a goal in the first 40 minutes from, from more than Where? they did. Where? It's, we, we, listen, from we, Oxlade-Chamberlain, from, um, from Ramsey. And from the opportunities we got in the front in the box that we didn't do very much with, Paul, we had we, one we, shot on target in the first half, and it was a deflected shots Olivier on target, shot. Shots on target do not equal your sum output. We all know that there were all plenty right, of shots. So, so let's go like this: xG, right, which is a stat that people like expected goals. I mean, one point three for the whole game, and most of the one point three came from the last twenty minutes when it was attack versus defense. I mean. Paul, I do understand what you're saying. That we had the better 40 minutes, but I'm yeah. not really sure that any of the chances we created, I expected us to score from. Um, and I do, but I do agree. Like, you know, there is, there's definitely truth in the fact that had we scored a goal, I think that would have settled us. And I think you know, if we were the ones who have scored in, on the 42nd minute, I think we would have gone on and won the game quite comfortably. And they're feeling on all the missed passes. It's funny, when, when you lose and lose badly and it really hurts you go back to find the, the thing and the players to blame. We all do it. I'm, this isn't aimed at you guys. We all do it. And we forget what was good. Let's take uh, Coquelin. Are we ready to do that? Well, well, sure. I want to I get to a lot of players. So why, if Coquelin's what you want to talk about now, just dive well, in. That's where I want to go to because I think it's right to this go point. We remember him missing passes all over the place. He played five longish diagonal balls. He missed three. He got two. Two of them were to, Debu- to Debushi. This was in the first half. Um, Debushi headed the ball into the box to Giroud, who just missed it. Could have been a goal, wasn't. He had another one, very similar play out to the right wing. So, he, But he missed three long balls, which in other games he's been okay with. Outside of the, th- the, the three long balls, his passing was over 90%. Okay, that, 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 I don't. That doesn't I don't surprise me. And that, listen, yeah, go I, ahead, I have no issues. I have no issues with like Cockerland's passing as a whole. I don't, His I don't play think, was strong. I, I, I mean, it wasn't brilliant. I'm not it saying decent. it was. It, was, it wasn't quite it, as good as, as what we've it, seen. It, let's be honest. But, and part of that up, comes down to the way the team do played. You, do you remember his break along the left wing as a winger, putting in across to Giroud that Giroud, Giroud, yeah, Giroud could do. go over the chest and he was tackled just before it? That could have been a goal. He had two or three other yeah. reasonably good forward movements that he created. He was lively. He tackled. He covered. That's the first 45 minutes. 
I, I thought he was poor throughout. And I, I can re- I, remember <laughs> two specific instances where he stepped up and made weak attempts at tackles and got bypassed in midfield, allowing counterattacks to progress. And he had three inaccurate long balls that pointlessly turned over possession that prevented us from building up. He didn't show much. And I think the Ramsey-Cochlin partnership in particular does not work because mm. Ramsey doesn't want to sit deeper and exchange passes or be there for him. And it brings Cochlin more into into prominence, which is the last thing we want. And I, I'll tell you something. I, I think that... He he is finding that challenge of participating in the buildup and possession while focusing on being a specialist defensive midfielder a challenge. Um, the interesting thing is this is a player who everybody loves his tackling numbers, and, and that's really where he's been sensational. And yesterday he made no tackles, none, zero tackles. Um And I think there were a lot of attempts where he stepped up and missed tackles and got bypassed. And that's that's going to be a problem for us. Now, you know, by the way, just Paul, just to answer your thoughts on, you know, how we would have looked at the first half, I'm just looking at my own tweets from the first half to kind of get a sense of what was in my head before they scored. And I have a tweet that says, West Ham are playing well enough. We struggled with Bilic's Besiktas last summer. The energy and intensity is great, but the sharpness is missing. A lot of passes missing the mark. No real penetration. 30 very scrappy minutes. I mean... Some glimpses of good build-up play, but still missing anything resembling the necessary final ball. Those were all my tweets right before they scored. So I, th- I think you said 30 minutes, did you? Yeah, the, the next one, 30 very scrappy minutes, and then I had one a few minutes later that says some glimpses of good build-up play, but still missing okay. anything good. resembling the necessary good, good, good. final ball. So guess what I was doing at exactly that time? I was writing the Ars blog match report. Interesting. So I was, okay. I was doing this. I was basically doing my diary. And at 40 minutes or maybe one shy of it, I write. Um, seems like we're building to something here. Uh, feels like we'll get a goal. Will we? In brackets, probably not. And by the way, so one that, of the reasons I think that is it was right around that time that Ox made that really sensational run where he dribbled like four guys and got to the end. And we had just put in, we had... um. He put in that cross that just eluded. Who was it? Yeah. Was it whose head did it? Ju- I, it wasn't Giroud, I don't think. Uh, Kashelny, maybe. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, it might have been. Um, or Debushi, maybe. Um, it was a really good sort of early cross from the right. But anyway, look, I don't. You know the problem, Paul. I think we become very binary about these games, as if every yeah. single thing we did was bad, right? Yep. And Agreed. certainly that's not the case. Um, I don't think any team can do that, except maybe Villa in the FA Cup final. But the the general feeling I got, even during the period of the first half that you're saying wasn't so bad, is that um, we we lacked the sharpness and and the confidence in our passing game, and we lacked the cohesion. And you know, really, yes. you know, I, I read the Arsene Wenger quote again about the nervousness. He said. You know, because I was curious to see, you know, is there any more context to what he was saying? He says, I don't think we were too confident. I would rather say too nervous, as in the opposite of confident, nervous. And I saw that. I mean, there was a lot of energy, like we're going to come out and storm the season, but not a lot of confidence in the cohesiveness within the team and, and anyone stepping up. I mean, the other thing he said that I thought was very relevant when he was asked about Czech specifically is, I can't see many individual convincing performances today, so it's difficult to single someone out. 
I didn't feel there was a leader on the pitch. You know, Alexis Sanchez, for all the quality he has in his football, has a lot of enthusiasm and confidence that that I think he breathes into the other players on the on the team. And I didn't see a lot of players out there that that really had the confidence to step up and lead. Oxley Chamberlain was very active and energetic, but there wasn't that player that seemed to kind of exude a belief and a confidence in our quality. And and you'd like to see that from maybe someone like Mesut Ozil, someone in midfield, because the thing that was really disappointing to me is how we lost the midfield battle with cause with with Ramsey, Coughlin, and and Ozil. So let, let's get into midfield for a second. And and James, what did you make of Coughlin's day? We're you know we're so quick to dismiss flash in the pan players, right? Andros Townsend, Tom Cleverly, Adnan Janazai, they they get hyped up after a few weeks or months of playing well, and we're all like, yeah, come on, they're not the real deal. But we fully trust that Coughlin is the real deal. Now, meanwhile. Jack Wilshire, Ramsey, Oxley, Chamberlain. These guys weren't loaned down the leagues in their 20s. Coughlin wasn't. And if you go back and read blogs like, you know, uh, Ars blog, this is a guy that that everyone felt the manager had lost faith in. Now, I'm not saying he he can't still be good and he won't be like he was last season, but is it a isn't it a huge risk to have the anchor of your midfield and a key first choice starting midfielder be someone who with really no reliable young fit backup, be someone who has has only shown for about four months of football or five months of football that he can play at this level. I don't know. I mean, listen, I I don't know the exact specifics of your Townsends, etc. But by all accounts, Cockerham was not only excellent; he was consistently excellent, and we you know was. Week in, week out, one of our top three players. Was he consistently um, excellent, or was he consistently reliable defensively? I no, I think he was consistently excellent. Okay. Honestly, I mean, and so I think, from, especially for you know, the, from the manager's point of view, obviously, season and training too. And I, you know, I think it's far more important to look at a player and see how well he beds into a team and like how how well he's he's performing over like a, over a, the most recent period from which he's been playing for the club. Um, I do. I do appreciate that given his history, there is still some risk involved. Yeah, I mean, he's um, a 23-year-old on loan at Charlton after having been on loan at Freiburg. Like that, sure, I, that's, you know, a, that's a worry. Know, <laughs> strange things do happen in football. You know, like Ian Wright came in, came, like started playing football at around that age. He'd been playing like Sunday league football and then went to Crystal Palace. Like, you know, these things do happen. Just the that's fact fair. that he was on, on loan at, at like a Charlton at 23 or however old it was, doesn't necessarily mean that the that was because um, he just like inherently like when it comes down to it is not going to be good enough to play at the top level for a long period of time. Would you agree do, that the manager probably thought Coughlin wasn't going to make it at Arsenal as of September of last season? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he would admit as much. But like th- that can be football. The margins are very fine. Like we, you know, we're we're hypercritical. We're 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 constantly analyzing. Like we're doing a post match podcast and dissecting. Each individual game, I, I, you know, the margins are, are extremely fine, and small things can can spur on a player in their career. There's several, you know, there are several several players throughout the career that have the flourished later on, and have, I'm, you know, I'm sure that there are plenty of examples. Like I, don't, you know, I, I picked out Ian Wright, but I'm sure you can. There are several players that we can look to that have struggled in the earlier parts of their career and, and have gone on to have very successful um, careers at you know at Arsenal or other clubs, etc. So England's it, hero it, Harry it, Kane. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Listen. It. It doesn't necessarily. I. I understand what you're saying. I do understand that there might be some risk involved, and that we have to be wary 
Um, but I think following the performance, I think also let's not let's not look too much at individual performances in this game. Because, yeah, they were all bad. Well, so let me ask you because, this. Which, which because, is bigger... then, because then Czech was a dreadful signing. Like, the, 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 pretty much everyone on that starting eleven is, oh, in my okay. eyes. And I, listen, and, I, I know can I'm Can I add quickly, Kakalau was better on Sunday than Matic was on Saturday. Well, I, I, w- I wouldn't disagree. And uh, let, let me ask you this, I, though, I also, I also want to clarify something to the listeners just very quickly. I know like, you, it's very rare that listeners will hear me like speaking in such negative terms about the team. Like, when I say atrocious, like, I'm not saying like, from, like, in every minute, from like, minute one to 90, we were just like, like, absolutely like, just shitting the bed. and just. It, we, I'm just saying that we were, we were so much worse like in my in my eyes than than the performance I was expecting, and so I think the shock factor is also like somewhat exaggerated in my mind just how poor the performance was. But like, there's no there's no denying it was a poor performance, and and unfortunately so in like two, in in a couple of very key moments in the game. A in the fact that I don't as 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 many more chances we may have created than West Ham. I don't feel we really there was really ever a chance that we should like we should quote unquote have scored. And also, just throughout that entire match, I just never felt like it wasn't one of those games where you think, "Are right, if you play that match a hundred times, you win it ninety-five times." Like it just—it felt like we could have played that game over and over again, and like West Ham would have won that more, like far more times than we would have done. As, and, as worried as I am about what happened defensively and the goals they scored, I'm far more worried about how blunt we looked in attack and how easy we were to hold at bay. Agreed. Because. Ultimately, and this is where a Czech Coughlin comparison isn't really uh, uh, applicable. Francis Coughlin has given us about four and a half months of seeing what he's capable of. You could conceivably see him regressing to a lower mean. We know who Peter Czech is. We know what Peter Czech is capable of. And over the course of his career, we know what he's about. He's 95% going to be fantastic for us most of the year. And I think our defense actually, look, the defending on the set piece was bad. Their second goal came from a terrible oxalate Chamberlain touch deep, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But by and large, I'm not worried about us defensively, as weird as that sounds. I am worried that we may be a little too easy to break down. So let me ask you this, Paul. As far as Coughlin's performance in the midfield in general, if a Cazorla coughlin partnership clearly got the best out of Coughlin last year and clearly worked, what are the reasons for moving Santi out of midfield? And is Coughlin's struggle yesterday as much about a failed partnership with Ramsey or, or was it just off days and that's all you're going to write it down to, write it off to? Okay, well, Coughlin didn't struggle yesterday. It wasn't his best game, but given everybody played a bit shit. What, just uh, real quick, just from a neutral perspective, yeah. obje- I, I, and I use who scored a lot. It doesn't mean they are the voice of God or omniscient, I just as an objective viewpoint outside of Petrchek and basically level with Matthew Debushi of our starters, Coughlin was their lowest rated player. So, and again, I'm not saying that means they're right. I'm just saying, let, I'm let not me some tell you how maniac. little I use the who scored I, I ratings. But, but I never is, even look at them because they're so bollocks. But, but Paul, I'm just saying it to make the point that I'm not just some crazy negative maniac who's trying no, to no, beat I up understand. Francis Coughlin. Uh, and I would also say your view is representative of the vast majority, no doubt there. Uh, after a debate on it yesterday, because I didn't think he was that bad, that was my starting point. Had a debate with somebody who thought he was like, Absolutely terrible. I literally watched the whole game of Francis Coughlin, every touch. Nobody else, just him and how he ended. He was not that bad. He was 
decent. He was the normal Francis Coquelin, apart from he did three diagonals. And to say he didn't make any tackles, you know, that's a function of what's a tackle. I, I have 20 different points as I went moment by moment of what he did to protect us, Okay. Shield the ball, blah, blah, That's blah. That's encouraging. He, so, so he why was did not that bad. Is, 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 are you as confused as I am about Ramsey being handed a central midfield yes. position back when the Coughlin Cazorla partnership was yep. clearly working so well and getting the most out of Ozil as well? Yeah, this is fertile ground for our agreement. That and the toothlessness in attack. Um, you know, there's a lot that frustrated me about yesterday. And the midfield piece is it. We're kind of a mess. We have a lot of very good players to play in midfield, but only a few that work together. And one of the things I'm hoping for from yesterday is clarity. Clarity for the manager and clarity for the team and squad that when they all got in that room afterwards and people spoke up and they pointed fingers about who didn't do what, certain players will become very clear why they shouldn't get picked and the manager will become very clear why he shouldn't pick them in certain combinations and he'll be very clear that continuing to pick them is going to undo all of the good cohesion and the positive spirit in the team because when you continue to do the wrong thing and I think it's the wrong thing to pair Ramsey with Coquelin you know if you keep doing that you're going to undo all of that cohesion and positive esprit de corps that's been developed over the summer. I totally agree. Look, the other thing is this. Players aren't great for 90 minutes. That's rare. The great players shine in the big moments in matches, especially the great attacking players. And you look at yesterday, Giroud had one really good situation in the box where he was pretty much unmarked. He got the ball on his left foot and he dragged a shot that was headed wide that deflected and wound up on target, but was a really tame effort. The it one was that ponderous. Mo- yeah, the one that most jumps out at me, though, is Aaron Ramsey. He collects the ball in the middle of the pitch on a counterattack, 18 yards out with Debushi overlapping on the right. If he slides it easy past to Debushi, he's alone in the box, one-on-one with Adrian. And Ramsey takes a tame shot of his own. Those are the key yeah. moments that change games. And in every key moment yesterday, someone dropped the ball. Oxlade Chamberlain made a key mistake for a goal. Checked it as well, obviously. Uh, Ramsey with that opportunity to, to hit the overlapping uh, Debushi. And I'll, I'll lay off Alexis Sanchez because he shouldn't have even be on the pitch, been on the pitch. But he did have some shooting efforts late where he, he just scuffed shots. Um, and the difference in the Chelsea game was the opposite. Somebody stepped up. Yeah. In, in a key moment, Oxley Chamberlain made the difference. So let's let's talk about Oxley Chamberlain for a minute, James. Obviously, you and I have a prominent bet about how many starts he's going to get, um, and I'm curious what you thought of his performance. But also, uh, Mick Steiny on Twitter, Barend underscore Steiny S T E Y N. I probably mispronounced that. I'm sorry, but a question that feeds right into what we've been discussing. Will Ox's tendency to lose the ball in bad places cost him his place? It's one of the things we've discussed on this pod as being a reason I thought the manager will be reluctant to use him as much. It cost us yesterday. What do you make of that? I mean, he he had some bright spots, but I feel like the things Ox does well are very individualistic, um, and that's where you see the best of his game and the worst. I mean, he had, I think he had something insane like eight dribbles yesterday. Um, I have it here. I'm going to bring it up. He had nine dribbles, which is incredible, but it, that's all very soloist, individualistic um, performances, 
he had that key turnover. What do you make of his performance, and do you think it is the key dispossessions or, or bad passes or turnovers that are going to cost him regular playing time? Um, I think he was clearly dangerous as a player yesterday, and I think, frankly, given the way... <laughs> indeed. I think, to be honest with you, given the way the team was playing, it, from where I was sitting, it, the only player I had confidence in actually making something happen, especially when you didn't have a player like Alexis Sanchez on the field, was Alex. Um, you know, I remember that... I remember a couple of driving runs, but one in particular, he beat a few players and then he laid it, he laid it across to, was it Giroud, who had quite a lot of space? I can't remember, but he was the only player that I felt was really able to pick up the ball on around the halfway line, take the tempo of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is, that is his biggest drawback at the moment. Like he, he unfortunately is somewhat at this moment in time I don't know if it's still an experience or what it is he seems to be a bit of a liability because he he often has the tendency to lose the ball um in the middle of the park or as we saw yesterday apparently in our own penalty area and as dangerous as he was as 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 talented as I think he clearly is he has so he has so much in the locker he's a very level-headed guy you know he sounds he's very driven um he's got all the right chops to to, to make it as a big player, and I think you know that's why we a, a lot of us have have genuine confidence in him. But nothing's going to happen if he doesn't cut out this stupidity um, in uh, in in important situations and retaining possession in, in in our own half and 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 keeping it simple when uh, when the time is necessary. Because I mean, you know, look 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 to Monaco. I know he came on um, you know, and and scored that goal, but then you know he also immediately showed that naivety. Um, that led to that third goal being conceded, and unfortunately, um, the fact is, if, if, if when we look at that game, he was ultimately as, as dangerous as he was, as the number of chances he created, that he he ended up being a bit of a net negative. If you just look at the pure output that he created, because I think he was very much at fault for that second goal. Um, and but you know that being said, I, I think it's an aspect of his game that you know he he has a lot of skill set that is very difficult for many players in world football to even. Um, you know, come close to having all the potential to have, um, but you know, this is you would like to think that that's a part of his game that he very much has the ability to eradicate. Um, but he's gonna need to uh, remove it from his game as quickly as possible. But I mean, I, I think also perhaps in a team that's performing better as well. You know, I mean, that that was the thing with Alex last season was he in many people's opinions during that he was probably the brightest spark in during that miserable first period uh, period of the season um and then he got injured during a time when we ended up actually playing well i don't think there was necessarily much correlation between the two um but maybe things like that slowly start fizzing out of his game when when we're actually a team that's not creating a lot of pressure for ourselves when we're not when we're a team that wasn't as as cohesive as we normally are um but yeah, I mean, in some again, it it may be a slight worry. I'm I'm confident that it's something that can be removed from his game, and I I think he's he's clearly very talented. I think the the kind of confidence Arsene um, displays in him is apparent. But maybe what we'll, we'll see with Alexis now coming back, there's no way Santi's going to be playing on the left. I'm I'm hopeful, and I'm you know still confident. I've been saying it for a while that when he does come back, that we're going to revert back to. Um, Santi in the middle and Ramsey outright, but you know, obviously following that bet, I do think there'll be many, many times for 
Fanny to um, to get his opportunity, and I'm still still confident that he'll come through and come the end of the season. Um, I've disp- displayed why we consider him such a top talent. Yeah, I, I think the the frustration for me with Oxlade Chamberlain is that he he I love his drive and his energy, and he wants to make things happen. And I just wonder sometimes if he's trying to make things happen so much and show his quality so much that he forgets that there's a lot of technically gifted, talented players around him. And, you know, it's I don't think he's selfish. I mean, he, he had, you know, four key passes yesterday. He, you know, he, he does participate in the team ethic, I think. But it's just a... You can almost see that he knows he has to prove himself to to knock down that door of being a regular starter, and sometimes I think he's pressing a little too much. Um, and it's funny because our blog in his in his preseason pod, uh, not pod, uh, a blog, or maybe it was the mat, match preview blog, said one of the reasons he really likes Oxley Chamberlain is he just thinks he's a very smart guy, and he does come across as a very smart guy, but on the pitch sometimes. It seems like his body is moving faster than his brain, um, and and he, he he just needs to slow it down maybe a little bit and and really be a little more conscientious. Um, Paul, Clive uh, at Clive P A F C says Santi needs to be central or we lose our forty two million pound man. Also, Wenger equals Tinker Man. Um, were you surprised with the tinkering? I mean, Theo didn't start. Giroud did. Santi's on the left. Ramsey and Coughlin are paired in midfield. Why the tinkering, and how surprised are you that he hasn't stuck with what worked, uh, uh, certainly at the end of last season, and and then you know with Theo up top? What what are your thoughts on the changes he made and has made? Well, hi Clive. Um, yeah, I saw that question from uh, Twitter. Um, well, you know, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. I don't want to. De- defend the heck out of the manager on this one. I'm I'm sympathetic to Clive's point, but you know, Wenger wasn't flexible enough. Wouldn't try enough formations. Wouldn't blah blah blah. So you know that's one of the criticisms he, he gets. I understand why it, it feels like last year when he tried some things at the start of the season, um, and you know trying them in preseason isn't the same for all the reasons we could all elucidate. So. If you're going to try stuff, you probably want to try it earlier in the season so you know what you can go into the industrial section of the season with. So I know why he would try some things yesterday. I mean, he desperately wants to get a midfielder, uh, Aaron Ramsey, into the formation in some form because that player looked world class and, and was world class for about half a season. And... And that's not that's not a, a diss in the sense that I don't think he's been terrible since. I think it hasn't worked particularly well for us. Uh, you know, he he was he was beaten up a bit by people after the Chelsea game, but actually he worked his socks off. There's a lot of good things he still does. It just doesn't fit right now, and it may be less him and more who the players around him are. You know, maybe it's a reflection Cockalam, maybe it's a reflection on Ozil. Um, but it just doesn't quite work at the moment. I I think he's a great player. I love what he brings, but I don't so, see so any is it a configuration. Of, yeah, is it a case of in your mind, the manager needs to pick Cazorla, Coughlin, 
Ozil and a genuine right wing wide player. And Ramsey's just going to have to rotate in when the circumstance allows or based on injury. And the manager just has to swallow that bitter pill. Based on my ability to judge football, limited as it is, no, that's, I'm asking you. If, if I were the manager, that's what I that's what I'd plumb for. If my job depended on our success, I'd absolutely um, be starting with Kazorla and, and uh, Kakala with yeah. Ozil, with yeah. Ox on the right. Uh, I'm much much stronger, much more uh, much happier seeing Ox start on the right than maybe you are at the moment. Time will tell. How I'm not unhappy in. to see him start. This, no, no, certainly. I know. Yeah. I know. I you're mean, not, you're not knocking him. him. Yeah. You're raising some questions. I, I think he's going to answer them. Um, Alexis on the left. And I'd be playing Walcott for almost every damn game at the moment. You know, Olivier had a great um, period. And I know we'll talk about Olivier at some stage. So I won't get into it too much. He had a great period. You know, um, second Thierry Henry owes us a striker. He's, he's after wrecking uh, Giroud since his comments or Giroud's just been a bit shit since his comments um, he, he's had I mean, a good Giroud had good a purple stab patch of... but outside of that this is a lot more representative of the Giroud we saw than that was he's certainly not done a good job at refuting that comment let me put it like that, I'll um, that. I, I, I think he adds a lot to the team but not enough because he needs to add what he's adding and he needs to be able to pull a goal out of nowhere every now and then. Theo can. People think he's just a finisher, but he he scores goals that nobody else would score. Um, doesn't do it all the time. Maybe for for many he doesn't do it often enough. But you know, Giroud's goals that he scores that we wouldn't have got by other means are generally headers from crosses, and that's not a big enough part of our game to ju- to warrant it and to justify it. So, I, I love Giroud. I think he'd be a great second striker. Right now, I'd, I'd, there was no reason Walcott shouldn't have started yesterday. People thought he wasn't very good against Chelsea. We won. We, went to, we got an early goal, went ahead. That's what we were missing yesterday against a very intense and West Ham side. It, it was, you know, this is the thing that bothers me. Theo Walcott got the assist for our goal, okay? Now, everybody says, oh, come on. I mean, Oxlade-Chamberlain did the hard part, and Walcott made the simple pass. But fast forward to the West Ham game where Ramsey could have laid it off easily for Debushi. Yeah. And I he made the, the wrong choice. I mean, sometimes yeah. the simple pass is a sign of a conscientious, thoughtful player making the right play. The simple move is often the best. And maybe Ramsey's biggest problem is that he doesn't often make the simple move. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you have to have players up front who are match winners. Alexis Sanchez is certainly a max match winner. I don't know if between and Oxley Chamberlain was in the in the Capital One Cup, but uh, pardon me, the Community Shield. But in that game, when you look at Ozil as your most advanced midfielder, Giroud in the middle, Ox on the right, and Kazorla on the left. If you say to me, I'm sure one of those guys is going to get us a goal, I'd say, I, I don't know. I mean, Cazorla doesn't score from open play. Ozil rarely scores at all. Oxley chamberlain shows that he can score brilliant goals, but in general, the criticism yep. of him has been that he needs to add end product. And we all know my feelings about Giroud, so I don't need to go on about them. But I certainly think it points to needing another talent up front, you know, and another talent yeah. in that claw. We did not have enough threat on that pitch. No, and and you know... I, that's what I said in that tweet that I was reading from the first half where I said some decent build-up play, but 
nothing close to the right final ball or penetration. Someone's got to be there in addition to Alexis Sanchez, who confidently gives us that. Um, quick question, James, related to Giroud. Uh, Jared Satella, Satella? At Jared Satella, but two A's in Satella. Um, he says, thoughts on Giroud not being taken off after the collision. It it seemed pretty shameful to me, and we'd be absolutely hammering another club about it. Uh, Arsenal sort of very self uh indulgently or or certainly self um protectively there's a word there somewhere but why bother thinking of it tweeted out he was never (laughs) unconscious at any point he's totally fine but realistically what are your thoughts on him not being subbed off after the collision um it was a strange one at the game i i hadn't quite clocked what was going on um but it was pretty clear that something something had gone pretty badly wrong given the way in which the physios all reacted and sprinted onto the pitch. Self-serving. Um, That's what I wanted. So it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't take long to realize that he'd be knocked unconscious or might have suffered some sort of concussion. Obviously, we're not privy to the exact like discussion that takes place between Giroud and the physio. And I'm sure Olivier was trying to just you know, assure the physios that he, he was fine and that he was able to play on. Um, and maybe we were more inclined to believe that, um, or we just wanted to believe that because of uh, I think it just was a bit of de- a sign of desperation at the time, given just how um, in, in the kind of dire straits we were, and you know there weren't. I don't think there was really another attacking option. To, but that's disgraceful, to right? Bring I mean, on look, at the time. I'm not saying we're the yeah, only club yeah, that does it, 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 but it that's is. disgraceful. I think <laughs> it, yeah, it was poor. Like it, it was definitely poor. I think it was a. It was an in-the-moment decision. It was, you know, like, the throw. we're throwing everything at the dice. It looks like Chamberlain was playing right back. Cochrane had been taken off. Like, Theo was on with Giroud. It was, like, Sanchez had been thrown on despite only having been in training for a week. Like, we, we reeked of desperation, right? And, like, I think it was, a, it was another component of a pretty desperate move um, following the situation. And it was pretty, unac- I guess, like, in hindsight, it was pretty unacceptable. But... Um, the real issue, obviously, it, is it needs to be taken out of the hands of the clubs. Of, co- of course, because they're always going to be self-serving for the most part. But, you know, we all like to pat ourselves on the back and say Arsenal is a very classy club. Now, the manager has said his rule is basically if the doctor doesn't say the player has to be removed, he doesn't remove the player, which I think is perfectly fair. But I think the whole sport and the whole system needs a rethink. I mean, the National Football League in the United States has paid a heavy price for not taking head injuries seriously. And you'd hate to see that be the case in, in the premier league. Um, yeah. And the individual has to take it seriously too. Well, like, of, I appreciate, of I appreciate that. I, I don't agree like, with know. that. I don't, it, uh, it's ridiculous to think that a full, fully committed player committed to his team, com- committed to the victory is going to be the guy who says, you know, I'm not really sure. So I'll step out of this game. It's never going to happen. That's Just a fair never. point, especially They're because then he'd be hammered. Can you imagine a player taking himself out because he's worried he had a concussion? I mean, you know, in, in professional sport where there's so much machismo and so much abuse levied at players who aren't perceived as tough, I, you know, I don't, I don't think the player can do that. As, as far as substitutions that maybe should have been made or shouldn't have been made, on the flip side, Alexis Sanchez was brought on. Uh, Paul, do you have any problem with Sanchez being used? I mean, granted, I know we didn't yes. want to use him, but do you have a problem with him being used? Yeah, I actually found it a bit embarrassing. I'm sure we all did. Um, you know, it's kind of like 
us putting in a phone call to him on his uh, deck chair on his vacation 70 minutes into the game or whenever it was. Um, it's just uh, at that stage, we ju- should have just taken our lumps and left him alone and tried to win it with the guys on the, the pitch. I don't particularly think it made us any better. Didn't make us any more fluid. You know, we, it was, there was no form- formation at that point. You know, my, my other criticism, and this one's at Wenger, was it didn't look like much of a plan w- once we went two goals down. Now, maybe when he looked across the bench, it wasn't, it didn't have the players that screamed out for him to play. Because um, for all our depth, you know, we'd Walcott and we'd uh, Sanchez to go to. I don't, um, you know, I will say this. I, I actually think Alexis Sanchez was always slated to play. I, I know that that doesn't um, that doesn't fit with what the manager said, but I think he wanted to give him fifteen or twenty minutes. I don't think he wanted to give him twenty five minutes. I don't think he wanted him to come on trying to rescue a game. But it's his preseason, right? It's a chance to give him a little run out. And yeah. uh, you know, I think the manager was kind of maybe targeting at Crystal Palace as a start for him. He is in good shape. Um, he did get a, a fair rest from vacation standpoint, and the manager put him on the bench for a reason. If he didn't want to use him at all. You know, why put him on the bench? So I didn't have as much a problem with it. I just think I didn't like the fact that he was, it made it appear he was being thrown on as an act of desperation. You know, I've always criticized the manager in the past. When he takes guys that aren't fit, puts them on the bench with no intention to use them, never subs them on even when we need them. My argument has always been, don't put someone on the bench if you can't use them. So I'm not going to turn around and be a hypocrite here and, you know, criticize him for using someone who was on the bench. What about you, James? I mean, should he have been not on the bench? Should he have not played? We didn't really have... I mean, if the manager wanted more attacking options on the bench, he could have easily left Sanchez out. Yeah, I mean, what, perhaps. But I actually do agree with you, the fact that I think the plan was always... Get him something. In an ideal in the, this scenario whereby we were leading was 20 minutes ago that Sanchez came on and got some minutes. Um, I... I think there might have also been a part of us and thought, well, with Welbeck being injured, with Jack out, maybe there's a point where I might have to just like throw Alexis into the into the field in order to try and rescue a game if it comes to that scenario, which is what ended up happening. I don't think in don't think Arsenal was anticipating that to end up being the case, but I guess um, like we've talked about, it was a it, it was another added sign of desperation that we put him on for a further 25 minutes. But I don't think it was actually that bad for Alexis. I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, he probably need needs a run out because um, he's probably going to start next week. Um, so, Even more so now. Yeah. Well, well, so I don't think it was. I don't think it was like a, a, a dreadful decision at all. I just I don't think that there was there was any reason for us to expect anything. Like, I, I expect Alexis to. Um, to have done anything great given um, the, the situation in which he came on. I think that's And right. then you know, his preseason preparation. We haven't really talked about either of their goals um, because in a way I think they're both kind of fluky and I'm not too worried. But I'll ask you just really, really quickly, James, and I'll ask both of you this really quickly. Do you have any concerns about Czech? I mean, I know it's ha-ha, it's funny. We signed Czech and he's he's already blown three points and it, it's it's not funny for us. It's funny for everyone else to laugh about. But do you really genuinely have any worries about him? No, not really. I'm. I I think he was made to look like an idiot for the first goal, and perhaps his decision making wasn't great. Um, I think the major issue with that goal is like if you look at the the line, like Coquelin is uh, he's like 
he's playing Coyato online. Like we just don't, we didn't look solid. It was like a, a major. I think the defense was far more at fault than Czech, um, and allowed Czech to be made to look like an idiot. I, his clearly it was it was a mistake on his part, but I I think even if he'd stayed on his line like that, we we were likely to concede that goal either way. Um, so I don't have as much concern for that goal that he was made to look like an idiot and it was a poor decision as I did for the second goal because it's one of those goals like when it happened I I, I wasn't I, I, I honestly at the ground wasn't sure if there'd been a foul or something because the goal just didn't look right to me like, in no way shape or form like from where he took that shot aside from all the like the horrendous like several errors that took place leading up to Zarate being able to shoot from there and then the like fairly nonchalant like attempted block from Kosciani and then the like the Santi scratching his head as it goes in like it, I mean it, that second goal really epitomized like a lot, a lot of that team performance in my eyes but from Czech's standpoint I was like I really did not understand how that had been allowed to go in I mean, I, he initially shifted to that way, and then he shifted back to the left, and then it wasn't even like it wasn't even hit that well. It wasn't like there wasn't that much force behind it. It wasn't that far away from him. He might have been so unsighted. Yes, there were a lot of bodies in front of maybe, him. Maybe, I mean, maybe. I, 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 I mean, I, I think nine times out of ten he saves that. I, but listen, I don't think the reason I'm, I'm going to criticize Czech for it. both is very simple. The reason you spend eleven million pounds on a goalkeeper is to make the save or or make the punch that the other keeper wouldn't have made, right? So you buy Petrček because you say, you know that punch he made on that free kick? Ospina wouldn't have gotten there. Or that save he made on the – it wasn't Kuyate's shot. Um, Zerate's shot. It was Zerate's yeah. shot. You know, uh, Ospina wouldn't have gotten down to that. I, the problem mm. with the, the check errors isn't that he made errors. Every goalkeeper is going to make errors. The problem is you buy a check to make up for – a mistake your defender makes or a mistake your midfielder makes, right? To rescue you, to bail you out. So he didn't do that on those two op- opportunities. Having said I complete, that, yeah, go ahead. I completely agree. Um, but I actually think Ospina, in my eyes, would have saved that No, he would have. He, he would have. No, um, that wasn't my point. My but, point was right, right. that's why you buy check is to rescue you in situations where you otherwise might have conceded, and he didn't do that yesterday, and it cost us the game. Having said that, 100%. I have no worries about him. Um, Agreed. I'm, I'm I'm exactly on the same boat. I like just because of yesterday's performance. I mean, if we see that happen in the next two games, then like maybe we should start being concerned. But I do, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, people want to draw I, conclusions about the goalkeeping coach. It's first time he hasn't been with his goalkeeping coach, and Arsenal goalkeeping coaches have been a, a point of contention in the past. But we just will never know that. We have no way of knowing that. Um, Paul, the goalkeeping I, coach is just going to magically make Czech like a, a bad goalie, though. I mean, then, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would assume so. Uh, Paul, real quick. <laughs> Any worries about Petrček? I mean, he's 33. We know his CV. Bad day at the office and don't think about it beyond that? Bad day at the office and highlighting that we still have issues in defense. And now, you know, he can't come in and give everybody shit. Day one, Mr. Chelsea telling everybody what to do. You kind of need a bit of a cock up so that everybody can get real. And so when they look at Peter Jack, he says, don't be looking at me, guys. You're the guys who set it two, three, four yards too far forward. You're, it wasn't just Coquelin who played everybody on side. It was Per. If you look at the point at which that free kick was kicked in, Per had run back, realizing 
you know, that they were in trouble. I think they, uh, why had Coquelin pushed up? Why did Per run back? Probably because as the ball was coming in, they're thinking, holy shit, all that space. Well, everyone too. I mean, look, Koscielny uh, gave him a free run. Debushi, I think, yeah. was most to blame, giving, giving him a, a, a free run. Yeah, when, when you have big, powerful like players, you've got, you've got to yeah. pull the shirt, trip them up, get in their way, right. do something. They can't have a free run. And, and you know, again, th- this is the point. Ordinarily, I'd come to Czech's defense and say, if he stays on his line, it's a bullet header that probably beats him. If he comes out, there's a lot of space. It's hard for him to cover the ground. But if we're going to argue that Petr Czech is worth 12 or 15 points a season, the way he's going to be worth it is by making the play other keepers don't make. And he clearly did not do that that day. Didn't. Look, but what I hope he gets out of this is the forum for the first time to get real with everybody else and say, you guys want me to make saves? Here's what I need from you boys. Yeah, an open an open communication on how to improve it. That's what you need. Um, So let's just do this real quick because we have crossed the hour mark, not surprisingly. Um, I will ask you first, Paul. It's Crystal Palace away. It was never going to be an easy game to begin with. Now there's the added pressure of really needing three points. I mean, the one thing that losing at home to West Ham does is it, it gives you less margin for error in games where maybe a draw would be okay. Um, quickly, any obvious changes to the squad that you make? I don't need your starting 11, just any obvious changes. And do you expect to see a response? I expect to see a response. The good thing about a situation like this is clarity. Everybody knows exactly what needs to be done. So there's more pressure. But, um, you know, we'll see what we see on the day. Maybe we talk talking at the end of it about how everybody was nervous and tentative again. God help us. But there's every reason to think that they'll get their shit together and they'll they'll show up there knowing what, what they need to do and going for it. Now, I think... I pretty much identified my starting 11 of choice and that I would, I'm a play the same starting 11 at home and away. I don't buy into all of this. Uh, oh, they're away. You, you can't get in behind. You have to play Giroud bullshit. So m- I think you can guess what my 11 would be. If Bellerin's fit. Um, yeah. I'd bring back was in. horrifyingly bad. You'd have to bring Bellerin back in. I think he was, you know, I think he was all right and got worse as he got tired. I certainly know why he was taken off. You know, people were saying, why was Oxlade playing right back? Well, I guess you can debate that, but to boot, you know, um, it's no surprise after whatever it was, 70 minutes and a bit, he was flagging. So that will be my major change. Um, I, I assume you'd move Ramsey out of midfield then and either give him the start on the wing or give him the day off. I wouldn't. I'd give him the day off. Okay. That, I, and look, I, there's nothing I, wrong with that. Yeah. I think I intimated my 11 earlier. Depending yeah. on where Alexis is at, uh, you could debate who goes on the left wing. Uh, walk out up front. You can work out the rest. I think he'll start Alexis. And I think he's going to start Ramsey on the right and Theo through the middle. And he's going to go with back to Kazorla Coughlin and and Ozil um, in midfield. And I'll I think that's that. going to be part of the problem for Oxlade-Chamberlain getting back into the side. And I, I think the manager is very, very aware of when players are casual with the ball or loose with the ball in their defensive half. And that that's why in our discussions about Ox before, I thought the manager might be reluctant to use him. I said it very, very clearly on our podcast. He still gives the ball away in dangerous areas, and I don't think the manager has a lot of time for that. And we'll see, because I think it'll be do interesting. do him any harm to have to sit for a game and think about it. He's a it. great sub option, too, because he's explosive, yeah. he's energetic. When a team is tired, that's the kind of player that can really make a difference, a dribbly, pacey, explosive player. Um, James, any obvious changes you make, and what's your prognosis for next weekend? 
Um, I surprisingly completely agree with you. Um, I assume that you anticipate Bellerin coming in for Debussy. If he's fit, um, yeah, if, of course. If he's fit. Um, yeah, I no. Listen, I know that a lot of people don't like the idea of Ramsey being out on the right because he's not a traditional right winger. But I think the system just works a lot better. We saw it didn't matter about individual performances so so much yesterday. The biggest issue was just like the system as a whole, the way the team as a whole was playing just wasn't up to scratch. Um, and our best run of form last season came with Santi in the middle, Ramsey out on the right. And the one thing he does bring, um, whether it's out on the right, um, for the most part when he's in the middle, um, when the team's clicking at least, is he brings productivity, he brings output. Um, and as talented as Oxley Chamberlain is, and as as traditional as a more as more traditional of a winger as he is, he hasn't quite, or he's yet to show us that he's able to 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 provide the the key numbers of goals and assists that's required for us to um, to keep pushing forward as a team. And I'm I'm sure he will do it, but for now, I would feel a lot more comfortable, especially following a defeat like this, to go back to to the kind of basics and and just go back to the the eleven that we saw being as successful as it was um, during the course of last season and have Santi in the middle, Ramsey on the right. And I would also like to see um, Walcott, especially on the counter. Um, and if Oxlade-Chamberlain is going to come out of the side um, to bring in that pace alongside Alexis. We saw... Um, sorry, I'm confident we... I, I would, sorry, just to finish off the question. I am confident we will bounce back against Crystal Palace. I don't know how much that means, given that I was <laughs> we were all pretty confident that we beat West Ham at home. But um, yeah, I mean... I, 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 it's going to be tough there. They brought in, you know, to think a side like Crystal Palace has managed to bring a player like Kabay in is um, really epitomizes just how much the mid-table teams are, are progressing relative to other leagues. Um, it's going to be difficult. I mean, you know, Pardew is never an easy manager to play against at their home ground. Um, we had a nervy game there last year where they nearly equalised in the last with the last kick of the game, hitting that pit in the post um, and it bouncing back to Ospina. So. I don't, it certainly won't be an easy game, but I definitely think we're going to play a lot, lot better than we played yesterday. I agree. I mean, if you remember the start of last season, it was that four-one-four-one we experimented with, and it just did not work for us. Um, I'm hoping that the tinkering, if you want to call it tinkering, will end a lot quicker this season. And, and you could argue that the reason Santi was moved out left and Ramsey was moved into the middle is we don't have an obvious left-sided forward in place of Alexis. Um so we'll see. Uh, the one thing that I think is interesting about how we played last season and what we saw yesterday. Last season, we were dominant when we scored first. We did it a lot, and we usually won. When we failed to score first, we almost never recovered it. In fact, I think we may have failed to recover from a losing position at any time last season. This team does not seem to know how to chase a game confidently, maturely, professionally, and effectively. We saw it in the United game at home last season when we chased the game crazily. We saw it against Monaco at home when we chased the game and gave up the late goal that cost us eventual progression. And yesterday, I think we saw it again. Once we got behind, we played arguably worse. Um, And there just doesn't seem to be, for whatever reason, a confident approach to chasing a game when we fall behind. And that's something we're going to have to fix because ultimately you're not going to take the lead in every single game. Uh, But hopefully we'll do it next weekend. 
Before we say goodbye, I just want to remind you that um, as a growing young podcast, we need what every growing young podcast needs, which is reviews. Yay, five-star reviews, please. Or any reviews, whatever, uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else we're found. Um, you know, if you want to come into my home office and get on my computer and give us a review, that'd be fine. Um, just really, wherever you can do it. And uh, as always, please follow us on Twitter. Well, block me on Twitter. Follow the other guys. Uh, James, you can find him on Twitter at Posin in my pants. We'll be here after the Crystal Palace game again, James. Uh, not a great occasion to to be discussing this with you, but uh, always a delight to talk to you. Indeed. Hopefully we can hope have a much more enjoyable podcast to indulge in uh, next week. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I, I misspoke. James is not at Posin in my pants. Uh, he probably does a lot of things in his pants, but that's not one of them. He is GoonerFanatic49. The man who does do Posnins in his pants uh, is Paul. And as always, Paul, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate your your alternative take on the game, but uh, in general, I think we can both agree that we would rather be discussing a victory next weekend. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah, well, it was not a great way to start the season. Um, hopefully we got that out of our system, and now we can go once defeated the whole season. I Unfortunately, we're not going to be invincibles again this season, but... There's always more. And who knows? By next week, we may be discussing um, the performance or at the very least, the arrival of uh, our new striker, Kareem Benzema, mm. uh, or whoever we get. In any case, I hope you recover sufficiently from the loss to uh, get in the right mindset for next week. Um, so until then, cheers. The Arsenal. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.